Welcome to Confessions, Convictions, and Conversations, a podcast exploring the cool Christian girl's guide to living in America. I'm your girl, April Davenport. I'll reveal to you a little personal testimony while merging ministry, education, and real life. We will also discuss current events with relevant figures of our time. It is the perfect blend of headline news, black girl magic, and of course, Jesus juice. Come with me on a journey you won't soon forget. So stay tuned, don't change the channel, and let's take a ride. Welcome to Confessions, Convictions, and Conversations. I'm your host, April Davenport. I'm so glad that you're back here with me for episode eight, Conviction, What Would Jesus Do? Before I get into today's episode, I am just so excited that football is back. For those of you that don't know, I am a huge football fan. And even though it's not all the way back, you know, like all the fans can't be there, I can't be at Mercedes-Benz Stadium because there are so many restrictions. At least we can watch football, so there may be hope for the world after all that one day this pandemic is going to end and we can stop hearing the words coronavirus, coronavirus, coronavirus. But so, at least there's a little small enjoyment in life that we can watch football. So let's just all hold on to that hope and hope for a better future uh, to come. So. Today's episode, Conviction, What Would Jesus Do? We are at episode eight and we are rolling, rolling, rolling on these Fresh Start Fridays. There is a show that comes on on ABC on Friday nights called What Would You Do? On the show, different scenarios are played out in front of people in the hopes that they would do the right thing, but most often they don't. These scenarios, although fictionalized, are actually real life scenarios and could happen at any time to you or me. The premise of the show is to help viewers understand that our lives have gotten so busy or we as a people have become so selfish that people can be in distress right in front of us and we wouldn't do anything about it. Some of these scenarios include a child being left alone in a restaurant, a couple fighting on the street, or a person being hurt and unable to help themselves. When the show first aired, I used to watch it and I thought it very interesting how many people actually ignored the situations presented to them. I have since stopped watching the show because I can't decide if I believe that people really are that selfish or and uncaring um, that they would continuously ignore someone who might be hurting. I think I would rather live in oblivion. On the opposite side of what would you do, I am reminded of one of Tyler Perry's Medea's movies. This particular movie, Medea Goes to Jail, includes Tyler uh, Perry playing Medea, of course, and Tamla Mann playing Cora, her daughter. On one occasion at the beginning of the film, Cora picks Medea up from court, and as they're driving home, Cora tells her mom about her new bracelet donning the letters WWJD. She lets her know that the letters stand for what would Jesus do? So this movie debuted during the time when this phrase was very popular, so it was simply a nod to pop culture. As they're driving in the car and Cora is explaining the bracelet, another driver comes up and cuts them off, and Medea, ever the taunting one, says, what are you going to do, Cora? Cora responds, I'm going to WWJD. Medea says, 
Jesus did not have a car. You need to get that fool. This line is hilarious to me because my mother is forever talking about me in the car and how when I'm under a will, I tend to throw my Christianity out of the window. And I'm quick to respond like Medea and say, Jesus didn't have a car. He walked everywhere he went, so we didn't know what kind of driver he was. But as Cora is convinced that Jesus would not want her to pursue the other driver because of the turn the other cheek mantra, Medea thinks otherwise and convinces her to go after him. And eventually they run the driver off the road. These two above references proves God's word to be true. Our flesh and our spirit are constantly at war. Galatians 5.17 reads, For the flesh lusted against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so, that the can so we cannot do the things that we would. While we understand that we are engaged in this battle individually, I also believe that we are involved in this war as a collective body of believers. The church, while seemingly should always be in a solidified position of upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, is actually somewhere in between what would you do and what would Jesus do? I don't believe, though, that the church has always faced this dichotomy. The early church was established thousands of years ago. And before there were temples and sanctuaries, there were altars and fields, and there were valleys and mountaintops that served as grounds for worship. As time progressed, there were homes that served as the gathering place for authentic praise and worship. And even after temples began to be built, only high priests had access to them. In essence, the church was a mobile body and worship and serving took place wherever the need was and wherever the Holy Spirit rained down his presence. There were no confines to worship and no parameters around service. The early church experienced God in a different way. And after Christ came down in the flesh, the church really changed because they were able to worship the true and living God with the true and living God. They walked with worship, they talked with worship, and they served with worship. Imagine your pastor being Jesus. Of course, they didn't know the greatness that walked among them, so they were not able to take full advantage of Jesus while he walked the earth. However, after Jesus died, rose again, and ascended back to heaven, the church experienced a great revival. Many were saved and gave their life to Christ. And as time went on, and as countries began to develop, though, things mellowed out. If we fast forward to the 1600s, we know that the early settlers from England of this land that we call America sought religious freedom as one of the main causes to establish a new country. The church had begun to lose its appeal, its notoriety. And by this time, there were multiple religions in the world. Judaism, Islam, Buddhism, and of course, not to mention countless schools of philosophy. The church had not lost its potency. It was still very powerful, but the church itself was looking very lost. If we examine America alone, the church is lost. Technology has allowed us to have church in a variety of ways, which makes God's word true again and that the gospel will be shared to all generations. But it has also given the world the idea that there is a replacement for relationship.
Our focus on religion versus relationship has the church in prime position on a pedestal, but objects on pedestals are admired. They don't serve. We have placed a focus on the marketing of the church rather than the ministry of the church. We want the church to have the latest and the greatest everything, but are we really saving souls? After all, isn't that the purpose of the ministry to help bring others to Christ? There are so many times when I look at the modern day church and think it's no longer about what would Jesus do, but most more so about what would you do? Do you believe that the church is as effective today as it once was? Where do you stand in terms of church? Is it a vital part of your life or is it something you do out of routine or habit? When making decisions in life, do you consider what Jesus would do? A great Bible story to teach and to revisit is the story of the Good Samaritan. In the 10th chapter of Luke, Jesus tells of a story in which there was a man who had been robbed and hurt by thieves. This man had been left to die on the roadside. And this is an earlier version of the TV show, What Would You Do? A priest passes by and sees the man, yet he keeps going. A Levite came by and sees the man, but he too keeps going. A third person comes by. This person is a Samaritan, has compassion on the man and stops to help him. He tends to his wounds, clothes him, takes him to an inn and pays the innkeeper for his stay and even tells the innkeeper to tell him stay until he is well and he will pay for it. In this story, Jesus shows that the third person, the Samaritan who is of a different race than the man he helped, is actually the man's neighbor because he looked beyond himself in order to help someone in need. Our first commandment is to love God with all of our heart, all of our soul, and all of our mind. And our second commandment is to love our neighbor as ourselves. Jesus knew that if we would love our others as ourselves, we could build a better church and ultimately a better world. But have we been living as the Good Samaritan? Are our churches stopping by on the roadside or are we walking by like the first two people? Remember, the first person Jesus mentioned was a priest and he kept walking. How many of us who are saved believers of the gospel keep going when we know we have the ability to help someone else or when we have the opportunity to make a difference in someone else's life? As I look at the state of the church today, I wonder how effective we are in loving our neighbor and being that good Samaritan. There are so many who don't feel embraced by the church. Is that the fault of the unloved individual or should the church bear the burden? When I examine the church's role in the state of the moral affairs of our country, I can't help but think how many blind eyes did we turn over the years to arrive at the point we are today? When did the church become so complacent? When did the black church become so silent? If we reflect on the civil rights movement and the integral role that the church played, we know that without the church, the movement would not have been able to get off the ground. The church provided a meeting place, a place of strategy, a place of healing, and also birthed the movement's leaders. Where is that church? Where is the bold body of believers that helps everyone and that sacrifices everything for the cause of Christ? Where is that church that puts ministry first? What happened to Martin Luther King's church? Where is Peter's church for which Jesus gave the keys to the kingdom? 
Do you think that the church is suffering, surviving, or thriving? Do you feel the church is in need of a modern day revival? Do you think that people still respect the church as they did in the past, or has the salt began to lose its savor? In May for Mother's Day, I preached a message entitled, Prospering in a Pandemic. I shared in this message that God could do the impossible even in the toughest of circumstances. His power remains infinite, and who are we to confine him to the outside conditions around us? While I truly believe that so many around me are living and prospering in this pandemic, I wonder if the church will prosper in this pandemic. I wonder where God has his church during this pandemic. For the first few months, I didn't complain about having to watch church from home because I know that my worship has never been predicated on whether I attended a physical location. However, I will be less than human and less than authentic if I didn't say to you that I am growing weary of streaming and online worship. I am beyond ready to return to the physical sanctuary. Don't get me wrong. I still praise and worship God every single day, actually multiple times a day, but there is no replacement for corporate worship inside of the temple. It is why God tells us not to forsake the assembly of the believers. The exhortation of others as we exalt Christ together is a powerful notion. And I miss God's power falling fresh on us in the sanctuary when this happens. In my quiet time, I have to ask God, why? Why haven't you delivered us from this strained time, this pandemic? And while our discussions vary, there are times when I wonder, is the church truly prospering in this pandemic? Have we done enough with the hand that we have been dealt? Did we just go with the flow of what we were told? Did the church miss a moment to make a radical, bold move and show the world who God is? Sometimes I feel as though there was a misstep. And maybe if we didn't do exactly what everyone else did, God would have blown our minds. So yes, I see so many churches doing things, doing new things in worship, in service, and in ministry. And I don't discount any of these things. I give God praise for the work that has gone forth in his name during these last six months. I know that some churches have had to change the entire way they do church. And again, I don't discount the work. I pray for pastors each and every day who are having to make hard decisions for themselves and on behalf of their congregation. I know that the longer the pandemic lingers, the harder the decisions become. And I pray for your strength. But is the church prospering? Are we representing the radical Jesus that we serve? If we do something radically different, is it possible that God will respond in kind? What are your thoughts? Has the church shown unity during the pandemic? Is that the answer to the prayer that we have all been praying so diligently? Are you still praying for deliverance? Or have you become content with the way things are? Sometimes there seems to be so many answers and sometimes no answers at all. While the craze of WWJD faded out as the years went by, the truth is, is that we should constantly ask ourselves, what would Jesus do? If we search the scriptures, we can always find the answer. If we seek God, he will also provide an answer. 
Sometimes those responses come quickly and other times we just have to wait. My advice to you would be the tried and trusted words of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto your own understanding. In all thy ways, acknowledge him and he will surely direct your paths. It's harder than it seems, but it works every single time. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. Episode eight, Conviction, What Would Jesus Do? I'm so glad to have you as a part of my army, and I'm so glad that you're on this journey with me. Make sure that you connect with me on social media because I'd love to learn just as much about you as you are learning about me. And make sure that you stay tuned with me and connect with me next week, same day, same time. But before you go, I'd love to say a prayer for you. God, thank you so much for the people in my army. Help us to wait on you and to always depend on you. Thanks so much for watching. I'll see you next week. Thanks so much for tuning in to Confessions, Convictions, and Conversations. We are just getting started. So make sure to connect with me on social at AS Davenport and at Fresh Start Fridays. For more information on the podcast, please visit www.asdministries.org. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the show and be a part of April's Army. Remember, any time is a good time to confess the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, live by your own personal convictions, and it's always a great time to have a good conversation. I'm your girl, April Davenport. See you next time.